Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Welcome to The Hammer. I'm your host, Caitlin Secord. For this episode, we are joined by Wayne Doris, Program Manager of Cybersecurity at Access Communications. Wayne and I are here to talk strategies for mitigating security risks on the construction site. Without further ado, Wayne, tell us a bit more about yourself. Thank you very much. I'm the uh, Program Manager for Cybersecurity for the Americas for Access Communications. I have 32 years of experience in the uh, physical security industry. I spent a good uh, 15 some years uh, doing architect and engineering work. So I'm well versed on uh, the construction in uh, industry. And then I've spent uh, the last six, seven years uh, being solely focused on cybersecurity. Great. So sounds like a lot of uh, well-rounded experience on your end. Yes, thank you. You got it. Uh, can you talk to us a bit about what you're seeing and hearing from your clients in the building and construction aid, uh, industry as it relates to cyber attacks? Yeah, the construction industry is a uh, big sector that is, of course, always under attack. Uh, if you think about uh, what happens in a typical construction project, you know, there are huge capital expenditure projects, uh, sometimes city-type projects, uh, into billions of dollars. And there's a lot of different moving parts uh, in a project. Uh, if I was to ask you just in a single home or, say, a single-family residential um, project, how many subcontractors do you think worked on that job? Oh, I should know the answer to this. Uh, I would say 50 to 100, but I'm sure that that's not. Uh... Yeah, on the average on a single home is about 22 to 24, right? Yeah. But uh, if you think most people outside the contracting industry, they would say, oh, I thought I had my builder and a couple of contractors, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. obviously that gets exponentially uh, larger as you get to such a larger project where there's hundreds or thousands of uh, subcontractors. And each of those uh, contractors have access to data, whether it's plans or configuration data, if they're working on the IT systems. Um, and so those become very lucrative uh, points for uh, attackers to uh, exploit ransomware, right, mm -hmm. that, we, that we see. Um, but also, when you look at that, because they're huge capital expenditure projects, that they really want to get to the, uh, there's huge amounts of money moving between, you know, the architectural firm, the developer, the general contractor. And so, uh, a large part of it is focusing on, you know, fraudulent wire transfers or fake invoices and getting people to pay. Because as you know, in construction, there's always a tight timeline, people are saying, hey, you didn't pay this invoice, I need you to pay this so we can move forward. And um, so it, it, it's a, it, the, the work itself kind of creates this sense of urgency. And as mm -hmm. there's, as you know, projects are always behind. So hence, people sometimes just say, hey, I got to quickly do this and pay this invoice, and it may not be to a correct entity, right? Well, exactly. And, you know, in, in moments of stress, sometimes uh, our brains forget how to read, I find. So um, I'm, I'm sure that those are those are errors that can sometimes be overlooked. Yeah. And, and you know, people, uh, uh, humans as a whole, we are like, I don't want to be the cause of, hey, <laughs> my boss yelling at me because mm -hmm. this didn't happen, right? So mm -hmm. Exactly. So why is this industry a lucrative target for these bad actors? Again, because there's so many different um, 
because there's so many different subcontractors. This is one of the reasons that if we look, you know, at least here in the U.S. at the uh, Department of Defense, why they initiated the uh, CMMC or the Cybersecurity Maturity uh, Model Certification for all of their contractors, right? Because um, even if you're a major business, it's very difficult to get into your core business that's already established, right? But uh, getting in through a contractor who has access to a ton of data uh, that you've given to them, either for working on a project or in this case, working on a construction project, uh, gives them an easy end for that. Yeah, absolutely. So more building companies are using surveillance solutions on site. What solutions are they using? Um, and are any of these applicable to sort of a, a light construction sort of uh, demographic? Yeah, actually, it's for every uh, every like every construction demographic. And I, in fact, I would say, even in smaller construction projects, it's probably more critical. The same way that we see, you know, the attack surface in small and medium businesses, um, in in general cybersecurity. That particularly, if it's a smaller project and you're using a, a subcontractor that is not you know, very big, say a smaller shop that only has 10, 20 people, how do you know that their uh, protections on just their general IT infrastructure is as good as the, you know, the, the major GC that you're contracting with, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes there's a, uh, uh, a gap there in uh, just regular cyber hygiene uh, between the two different companies. And so it becomes an easy target for these bad actors to uh, to leverage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and what solutions are they using uh, on site? Well, for physical security, uh, you know, in this case, what Access Communications provides, you know, whether it's a uh, uh, IP camera, IP intercoms, uh, et cetera, we try to establish at least who physically can get to the to the site and to uh, provide remote. Uh, remote capabilities to see what's going on in, in real time. So you would know after hours, hey, why is this uh, particular subcontractor coming in working on this uh, equipment? They weren't scheduled to be here. Um, you know, you can kind of uh, use it for that. So physical security is part of uh, cybersecurity as well, right? Obviously, if the bad actor has physical access to the actual equipment, then it's pretty much game over, right? It doesn't matter what... Um, what other mitigations you've put in place, if they can physically get to an IT server rack or an IT server room, then um, they can put in backdoors or go ahead and make copies of configurations and know how to better exploit those uh, vulnerabilities against uh, the, the company itself. Absolutely. Um, is there any sort of, so there, there's been a lot of conversation, obviously, over you know tech sort of becoming more prevalent in sort of the construction industry. Um, do any of these smart technologies sort of pose a risk and how do you secure them? And what risk mitigation strategies would you recommend? Sure. Actually, I like to use the uh, the checklist that uh, CISA put out, you know, the um, Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency. Um, they established these uh, cybersecurity performance goals and they have a nice Excel spreadsheet uh, kind of a checklist. And I, I kind of use that as a base of reference. And what I really like about the spreadsheet 
is, you know, you can look at all your processes and say, hey, yeah, we're already doing that one. We're already doing this. And they have, you know, check boxes for when you've done that. But what I really like, a lot of times uh, they they have the, the boxes are set up so that you have cost, uh, the impact, whether it's high or low, and the complexity of that. So uh, if you're a firm looking at your cyber hygiene for your own systems and keeping uh, data secure, you can kind of look through there quickly and say, hey, we're not doing this low level, but it has a high impact. So I'll give an example of that, right? So most of our equipment and most IT equipment has brute force detection to understand if people are repeatedly trying to uh, uh, use brute force methods to uh, gain access through a, a password account, right? For a user password account. And uh, a lot of times these systems report that in your system log, but if that's not being connected to your security, uh, your cybersecurity uh, incident and event management system, then you don't really know, right? Mm -hmm. And so in any cyber attack, the sooner you know on the detect side, the sooner you know that something may be awry, then that gives you more time to respond. And so... Just simple things like saying, hey, are these syslogs, or do we have a central repository? Is everything going there? And are we ensuring that when, uh, say, an access device has brute force detection going off, that the cybersecurity incident system is actually picking that up, and that gives the, the team time to respond to that? Absolutely. I think there's also, um, this, this brought up sort of an interesting topic of you know, this is obviously something very important to do for the sake of your business. And we and we sort of touched on small businesses or those smaller contractors who, you know, maybe don't have the uh, have the resources that, you know, larger companies do or, or you know, general contractors do. Um, have there been any sort of vocalizations about the concern of um, like privacy when it comes to cybersecurity uh, systems and like softwares? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, particularly in video surveillance, right? We have mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that. Uh, and one of the things that Access has actually uh, come out recently with is our Access Live Privacy Shield. So kind of imagine you have a physical security operations center that uh, it allows you to see people, but either faces or their entire body is kind of blurred. So you can still provide uh, visual situational awareness without knowing personal identity, right? And uh, then you can also record a unblurred uh, screen with people that have sufficient uh, permissions to then, if there was, say, somebody, uh, some kind of an attack or some kind of incident that you had to review, then uh, people with the proper credentials could look at the unblurred side and then continue an investigation. But it's there to help protect privacy uh, in those aspects. So. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, work in that that Access is uh, working on uh, currently. Yeah, that sounds like a, a very interesting tool. Um, is there anything else that you want to share to, with our listeners today on this topic or on the future of surveillance and cybersecurity? Yeah, the biggest thing that I would say is that um, a lot of times in the physical security systems, uh, you need to establish the same cyber hygiene, put the same mitigations in place as you would any of your major IT uh, equipment um, at Access. Uh, we certainly have on our uh, website, uh, uh, access.com backslash cybersecurity. Uh, we certainly have a whole set of tools there for you, hardening guides, 
you know, penetration test reports, how we secure our products, but you can take a lot of this stuff and uh, fit it into the uh, environment that you're doing with it, right? So whether it's a critical infrastructure project or a retail project, uh, you can kind of scope the cybersecurity controls for the environment that it's going into. And of course, we have tons of resources in all of our uh, areas. Uh, we have access experience centers, so you have local resources that can help you work on these projects and figure out the best uh, cybersecurity mitigations to help you protect the surveillance system and the physical security system. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Wayne. It was a, a lot of fun talking to you. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate okay. the opportunity. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Hammer. You can find episodes online at CanadianContractor.com or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is presented by Canadian Contractor Magazine. Contractor Magazine.